Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time on the show. I was uh, reading through some of the news stories this morning, getting ready, and I saw something interesting, uh, an interesting story about the superintendent of public schools is proposing some changes to the Arizona voucher program and the ESA program. So we asked him to join us. He's been kind enough to say yes. His name is Tom Horn. Mr. Horn, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Mike. It's always a pleasure to be on your show. Let's start here with the changes, proposed changes. Is is this about some people uh, that you believe people are misspending some of the ESA money? Yeah, the the uh, the prior the prior administration was unfriendly to ESAs, as you know, and so they they let people abuse it. Uh, people got paid for stoves and restaurants, all kinds of things. Uh, and then that information somehow got to SOS, which is the anti-ESA uh, group that tried to try to put, get it on the ballot to repeal it. And then they would put it on the, on their, on their Twitter saying, you know, look how your money's being wasted. Uh, now, one of the issues in the election was that I'm pro ESA and, and the prior incumbent was opposed to ESA. So um, so I want to make the program work. And in order to make the program work, we have to enforce the rules that that only valid educational expenses are going to be paid. And so so we're cracking down on that, that uh, that, you know, we're not we're not going to prove things that are not valid educational expenses. So can you give me a few examples of what some of those um, what you're saying are valid educational expenses? What are some of the things that that are just obvious or some of the things that parents need to know that these are the acceptable expenses? Sure. Um, Well, you know, obviously tuition to a private school. Uh, payments to tutors, payments to organizations that help kids do better in school, supplies like books that are that are educational, but not uh, items of family consumption or entertainment. Uh, that's not a valid educational expense, and we're not approving it. What are some of the things, if you can give me a few examples, you, you kind of threw some things out there, but what are some of the examples you were seeing that people were using this money for that you think is out of bounds and is not part of the, edu- you know, the ESA program? Uh, uh, stoves, I think they call them burners, uh, which I wasn't familiar with that term, but um, because they wanted to teach their kids cooking, so they bought a stove for the family. Um, uh, payments at restaurants, payments at uh, clothing stores, uh, you know, just, just really abusive use, especially of debit cards. There are four ways to get paid in the, uh, in, in the ESA program, and one of them are debit cards where they're not uh, where, where they're not pre-approved payments. They, they spend the money and then, and then they're supposed to send us receipts. And so if they abuse it, it, it's, it's hard for us to control it. So, so we're trying to limit, uh, uh, debit cards. Uh, those who have them, who've used them properly, you know, will keep them. But, um, but, it, but if they've not sent in the receipts within the deadline or if they've abused them, uh, those debit cards are canceled. They still have three other ways to um, to get paid for for legitimate education expenses besides the debit cards. So, if parents have questions about now what will be allowable and what won't, will there be a place they can go to see what's allowable ahead of time so that they're not getting denied later? Yes, we we uh, we, we we post on our website 
uh, azed.gov. Uh, we put, there's a section on ESAs, and, and we post all the rules and the information on our website. All right, let me ask you. I was I was on the website this morning getting ready for this interview, and I saw something that I don't know how new it is to everybody else, but it was new to me. The Empower Hotline, which offers people, I'm going to read to this, opportunity to make a report about inappropriate lessons that detract from teaching academic standards, such as those that focus on race or ethnicity. Can you explain what this is, how long it's been there, and what you believe it'll accomplish? It was just started yesterday. It was a, a campaign promise that I made that if there, you know, just to give a little background, when we went through COVID, uh, a parents' revolt developed because teaching was online and the parents could see what was being taught and they were outraged and they started going to school board meetings. Um, and I promised we would we would fight against those abusive practices where the, which detract from academics and which are in themselves, I think, poisonous, like teaching when we say critical race theory, we're saying treating race as primary. My philosophy is that we're all individuals, we're all brothers and sisters under the skin. What matters is what we know, what we can do, what is our uh, uh, what's our character, what is our ability to appreciate beauty, and, and race is completely irrelevant. Critical race theory teaches the opposite, that race is primary. That should not go on. Uh, teachers are, should be teaching the academic standards to their students and not abusing a captive audience by pushing their own ideology. Um, another example is social emotional learning that detracts from academics. We have schools that are spending uh, 40 minutes a day on social emotional learning. Uh, and and our, our philosophy is every educational minute is precious. Um, and, and we've got to get the focus back on academics because, uh, the you know, when we took office, the test scores were at the bottom of the barrel. We've got to get we've got to get the academics up. We got the kids get the kids to learn more and have it show on the test scores. And then the third category would be uh, gender ideology or, you know, inappropriate sexual uh, instruction. And what we want people to be able to do is, if, if they know that their kids have been taught those things, we want them to let us know so we can investigate it and try to do something about it. And Tom Horn is joining us. He is the superintendent of public instruction here in Arizona. So then what does that process look like? If a parent, if it's if it's a book in the library or if it's a part of the curriculum that they disagree with and they don't feel like they're getting relief from the school board, what is what power does your office have? I know that a bill has gone to the governor's desk about critical race theory explicitly, but if she does not sign that into law, what what uh, course do you what course of action can you take? Well, as an example, um, uh, I mentioned teachers who abuse their position by uh, by pushing their ideology on a captive audience rather than teaching the academic standards that are put out by the state, teaching academics. Mm-hmm. Um, I consider that to be unprofessional conduct, and, and we could initiate disciplinary proceedings. So if uh, and so this I'm looking at the, there's a phone number. There's also an email address. Um, you can also there's a there's a link, a click through link. So if a parent is saying if they believe that, let's say, a history teacher isn't spending time on history, but teaching some of these other things, they can report it on this website or on this hotline. And then your office will do an investigation. And then if you find it to be that they are outside of what they're supposed to be teaching, do you have the ability to stop it from happening in your office? Uh, we, we, we can't stop it outright. We, if, if we think that teachers are abusing their position, there could be disciplinary conduct. I have, I have a proposal to the state board, uh, which I've told them about and which will be coming to them soon, to, um, uh, to change the way we measure whether schools are A, B, C, D, or F. 
to say that if they have these distractions from academics like critical race theory, social emotional learning, um, you know, gender theories, uh, inappropriate sexual lessons, that um, that 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 would have ne- negatively affect their grade, uh, and and that would be, I think, that would be a good incentive for the schools to 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 cut this stuff out and focus on academics, which is what they've supposed to be doing, which were they did in the past, but there have been some terrible trends in the in recent years. And do you have the resources available in your office to investigate all of these claims as they come in? Yeah, we do. We we have investigators, and and we will investigate uh, any anything that comes in. All right. So my last question is of well, it's a two part question. It has to do with test scores, and are we are we seeing improvement in math and in reading scores at grade level for students? And um, what about the program the former governor had in place about the summer camps? Is that something that's going to stick around as well? Uh, we, we're in favor of the summer camps. I think the the current governor has um, has suspended that but uh, we think we should have that and and we would love to implement it I think it's a very a very important way for for kids to catch up um, and and your other question was well, it was about test scores are you are you seeing any improvement scores. well I would say that the 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 test scores the tests are going to start in three weeks we've only been okay. in office for two, for two months so the test scores that we get in the fall, it will be reported in the fall, are really the result of my of the activities of my predecessor, Kathy Hoffman. Um, uh, you know, who that's what the test scores will demonstrate. Uh, when you'll see the effect of our work, uh, that'll be a year from then, when we have a, a year to help the schools improve. Uh, one of our key goals is that we are a service agency. We go out and help the schools to do better. And, and but we also if that doesn't work, we also hold them accountable. Um, and so so that when you, you we expect that you will see increases in the test scores uh, a year from this summer. Mr. Horn, it's always good to talk with you. I appreciate the update and look forward to talking to you again. Great talking to you, Mike. And I'm always happy to come on even on short notice. Just call me and I'll be happy to come on. Thank you, sir, very much. That is Tom Horn, Superintendent of Public Instruction in the state of Arizona. Very interesting on those two topics. Coming up in a moment, we shift our gears to the economy, the good that might not be good. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Appreciate you spending some time with the show. We've got to shift to the economy. A lot going on. We're going to talk about a, a, a new angle on the crime. There's a, a, a interesting, your great audio coming up at 935 of the police chief, of the D.C. police chief, and his idea of what we can do to lower homicide rates as they've had another increase in homicides in that city. We'll get to that coming up at 935. But the Fed chair, uh, Powell, has says interest rates are likely to be higher than previously expected because we've had more strong job numbers. And so in order to try to slow down this economy, that's what they, they have to do. The Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell on Tuesday, yesterday, warned the American public that higher inflation and labor shortages could push the central bank to rise in, raise interest rates. So they he she had he had a little bit of a clash with um 
Senator Warren on this issue. And what's in, uh, what we are doing, and this is my concern. So uh, the Senator Kennedy from Louisiana said, you're trying to raise unemployment rate, aren't you? Paul, Powell said, no, we're not. We're trying to realign supply and demand, which could happen through a bunch of channels, like, example, just job openings. Um, he flatly denied that that was his goal. Senator Warren said, Chair Powell, if you could speak directly to the two million hardworking people who have a decent job today, who you're planning to get fired over the next year, what would you say to them? How would you explain your view that they need to lose their jobs? He said, I would explain that more broadly that inflation is extremely high and it's hurting the working people in this country badly. All of them, not just two million, but all of them are suffering under high inflation and we are taking the only measures we have to bring down inflation. So that's where they're at. So I want to I want to go after something quickly. If you remember when gas prices have been very, very high, the, the demonization by the administration of the oil companies and obscene profits, you should lower your prices for the good of the American people. You're making more money than you ever have before. Your profits are through the roof. You should be cutting prices and be a good American. Um, and so I want you to hear this headline. President Joe Biden's budget proposal would include tax increases. So, again, I'm going to go back to my old adage and the thing I've been saying. The federal treasury of the United States Treasury has been taking in more money every month, every quarter, every year. If you go and look back, it goes back to the Trump administration. I believe it goes back to the Obama administration and it's continued through the Biden administration. So let's use the very same principle. If the federal treasury is taking in more money, which is you know as close as they're going to get to record profits, if they are taking in more money now than ever before, why are they raising prices on any American? Well, the answer is they're doing it because it's wealthy Americans. The president believes that taxing billionaires doesn't have any effect anywhere else in the economy, that billionaires and billion-dollar corporations will just eat the cost of that tax increase. They will not pass it on to the general public. And that's absolutely false, but that's their belief. And that with that, they will be able to stabilize and keep Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security solvent for another 25 years. But it, it does it never works out that way. But I will say to you again, respectfully, as I've said many times before, taxing any American when you have record revenue is 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 a huge issue here. That they are continuing to spend and spend and spend with no end in sight. There is no program they say no to. And I'm telling you this as a as a Republican that realizes there's hypocrisy in that because my party did it, too. I don't like it anymore when they do it. But this president has a lot that can be done to try to ease the pain of the American people. So we have seen prices go through the roof on the private sector. Why wouldn't you stick to your own principle? If your principle is you've got record of revenue coming into your company. And that's what he says about the oil companies. That's what he's talking about, the massive food, gr- food growers. If you have massive revenue coming into your company, the good you can do for the people is shave off a little bit of that profit. Well, the federal government operates at a deficit. In spite of the massive revenue they take in, they haven't cut spending anywhere. That's where my problem, not as a Republican American, but as an American comes in. My problem is that. All right, we're going to talk about crime. What does the D.C. police chief say is the answer to lowering homicide rates in his city? You'll hear him tell you next. (laughs) 
news and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. And thanks for being here. Um, There is always a give and take in our society when it comes to crime and punishment, when it comes to what we do as a society to stay safe. There are a lot of opinions out there. It has been my contention for a long time. We don't focus enough on the victims of crime. And so I want you to hear something. The Metropolitan Police Chief, the D.C. Police Chief, his name is Robert Conti, was talking to the media and he was talking about how they lower the homicide rates because the homicide rates continue to climb. And people are concerned about this everywhere. And it is all violent crime. It isn't just homicides. People have a right to feel safe. People have a right that they walk around that they feel relatively safe. There are things that happen. We understand that there are always going to be bad people. But how do we solve this problem? This is about as simple an answer as you're going to get from someone in law enforcement. And the details of this are pretty amazing. What we got to do, if we really want to see homicides go down, is keep bad guys with guns in jail. Because when they're in jail, they can't be in community shooting people. So when people talk about what we're going to do different or what we should do different, what we need to do different, that's the thing that we need to do different. We need to keep violent people in jail. Right now, the average homicide suspect, the average homicide suspect has been arrested 11 times prior to them committing a homicide. That is a problem. That is a problem. Amen. That statistic, the average homicide suspect has been arrested 11 times prior to them committing a homicide. I am also someone there. I I think everything is a dichotomy. It's my favorite word. I think that we have in the English language is dichotomy. It is a pretty thin slice of ham that doesn't have two sides. I believe in redemption. I believe people can change. I believe people do change. But we have got to start focusing on the victims of these attacks more often. I think the reason why law enforcement is so frustrated is because their job is to stand in the gap between good and evil. And when they see good people being attacked by the same people over and over again, that's the issue, is law enforcement deals with the same 5 to 10 percent of our society over and over and over again. There are crimes committed by people they don't know before, but I've done ride-alongs with agencies in Florida, with local police and the Lee County Sheriff's Department, the Florida Highway Patrol. I've done ride-alongs in Arizona with multiple agencies, most of them with Phoenix PD, but with other agencies as well. And one of the most interesting things you'll find out about because when cops work, they work in a precinct. So they generally work in the same area for a year or two. You know the streets, you know the businesses, you know the people, and you know the trouble. And there will be times when it'll come out as a radio call. They are, and Phoenix PD has a radio signal. There's a tone that goes out, and the dispatcher says emergency traffic. Now, that is any code one or priority one call that goes out means that there is a crime in progress. It doesn't necessarily mean it's life-threatening, but it means it's happening right now. It's not someone that came home and reported there was somebody in their home. It's someone is actively in their home. It's a crime in progress. So it's a priority one call. That tone goes out, emergency traffic, and they'll say domestic violence report or whatever it is at such and such an address, and you will hear radio chatter between cops. Oh, we know who this is. We know where this house is. We've dealt with them before. We know this. Or you'll pull up to a crime scene where one officer has somebody detained because of a shoplifting or a fight or something else. And then another officer will pull up and say, oh, that's so-and-so. We just arrested him or her three weeks ago for the same thing. 
And it gets frustrating to law enforcement. They do the paperwork. They make the arrests. They do their jobs. And the revolving door of the justice system sometimes is frustrating. So this is where law enforcement is talking about that relationship that's necessary with the prosecutors within the justice system as well. I am an advocate for a fully staffed, fully functioning, fully equipped law enforcement officers on the street. I think that is job one. But then we also, I think as a society, we have to look around and say whether it's the city prosecutor's offices or in the county, we have prosecutors at the Maricopa County Attorney's Office, that that office should be fully staffed. So that when somebody commits a crime against you, that isn't the crime of the century. You don't have to be told we're not able to prosecute this case. A, we don't necessarily believe we have a high level of success or belief that we'll have success in prosecution. So it's a waste of our time. And we just don't have the resources because we have more serious crimes. So if somebody vandalizes your car, if somebody breaks into your car. If somebody breaks into your house or vandalizes your house, your business, then those cases largely don't get prosecuted. You've been violated. It cost you time. It cost you money. You've done the right thing. You know, I had a very close friend um, in Florida that uh, some guy was robbing, was was breaking into cars in the neighborhood and uh, had been broken into three or four cars in the neighborhood and made the mistake of going to my buddy's house. And he tried to get into the door where his daughter was sleeping. Daughter was awake and saw this guy messing around in their backyard. So she woke up her dad. Well, my buddy is as well armed as anybody you probably know. And he met this guy inside that car with a firearm. And held him there until the police got there. He didn't beat him up. He didn't pistol whip him. He held him at gunpoint. And he said, you're going to jail. You're leaving here either in a squad car or a box. You choose. But there was no violence. He didn't take the law into his own hands. He held this guy there until the police got there. And, you know, it's easy to get street justice. Give the kid a beat down. Take all the money out of his pocket. Whatever. But nobody wants to live in that world. The D.C. police chief, even the mayor of New York, Eric Adams, I keep talking about Mayor Adams. I'm in New York, you know, for, for today's my last day here. But the Mayor Adams is say worries about the safety of New York City's deli clerks and bodega workers have Mayor Eric Adams asking an unusual request. Members of the public should lower their face masks to reassure store workers they're not criminals. This is New York City. I've been doing television till 11 or 12 o'clock at night. There is a bodega that's open right next to the hotel where I'm at. They're open 24 hours. It's got a great deli. I get a sandwich when I'm done working. The guys are friendly, but it's middle of the night. It's sometimes after midnight by the time I get in there. People should be able to work and walk around and feel safe. And they don't. And law enforcement is frustrated. Many times there are prosecutors out there that are willing, that are willing to prosecute. They don't have the resources. There are others that either get elected to the office or appointed to the office that have a different way of thinking that they want to do things that are, quite frankly, making the streets more dangerous. This D.C. crime bill was one of them. And you got law enforcement pushing back. Coming in, in a moment, um, the No Labels Party. If you haven't heard about this, uh, they broke. They were talking about it this morning. It was kind of a broken news story, at least it was for me. We had Arizona's Morning News with Jim and Jamie. It is a new party that is qualified for the ballot in 2024. Adrian Fontes, the Secretary of State, was on with them. We'll hear what Mr. Fontes had to say about it and a little bit of what this organization says they are. We'll talk about that coming up here in just a moment. <laughs> Oh, 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 
strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, um, fight me on this one. One of the top three voices and songwriters of a generation, Stevie Nicks. Fight me on it. I dare you. No way you can. She's one of the best ever. Um, so that's my music lesson for the day. Let's talk about the No Labels Party. Um, interesting topic. As uh, Adrian Fontes was on with Arizona's Morning News, Adrian Fontes is the Arizona Secretary of State and talked about this party qualifying for the ballot and what this means and exercising your rights. So I want to start there. We started with this earlier. I want you to hear what Mr. Fontes had to say. I'm Ryan Clancy from No Labels, and I want to tell you all about what this movement is and what it is. This is a movement of people who believe in America. Not one person's vision for America, not one party's vision for America. We believe every voice counts. And for too long, too many voices have been drowned out, and we're going to change it. Well, that was the leader of the uh, No Labels Party. We'll get to Mr. Fontes in a moment. Um, the leader of the No Labels Party is talking about voices. Here's where I think the issues are going to lie. They are playing upon, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but what they are what they are reacting to, I shouldn't say playing upon, they're reacting to many people being frustrated by what they're getting from the two political parties in, in way of candidates. And I will tell you what's frustrating, and it was frustrating to a lot of people behind the scenes, that in order to, whether you agree with it or disagree, with it, this is how it played out. In order to win a primary in the Republican Party in Arizona, you had to be a MAGA candidate. Donald Trump still has that kind of pull within the Republican Party. I'm not calling it good or bad. I'm acknowledging this is what happened. Every single MAGA endorsed candidate, Trump endorsed candidate, won the primary. And every single one of them lost in the general election. When we go back, go back in time to candidates. Uh, what was said in 2016 by many Americans, whether you agree with it or not, this is what many people said. Didn't like Hillary Clinton, didn't like Donald Trump. Had to hold my nose and vote for one of them. So I voted for the least bad of the two. Didn't like Joe Biden, didn't like the four years of Trump. Had to hold my nose and vote for what I thought was the least of the two bad candidates. Now, I'm not calling it accurate, but if you're involved in American politics like I am, if you talk to people as much as I do about political motivations, this is what was said. If that's true, if someone says, listen, I'm a Republican and I voted for Donald Trump, but it's time to move on. We've got to move on from election denial. We've got to move forward. We've got big issues to talk about, and we're just not talking about them. What it, what's your relief? And the answer for many people is there isn't much because that's where party leadership is right now. That, that Not good or bad. You have to acknowledge that that's the way it is. And on the Democrat side, if you look how far left they have been dragged, if you look – I'm talking about party leadership, not voters. Party leadership has been dragged far to the left. What ends up happening is elected officials – and I've been told this not in confidence, but they're not going to say it out loud on the air. I've had Democrats say to me, you know what? We have a lot. We get along great with the Republicans. We get along as people very well. I've had Republican elected officials say to me, we get along with the Democrats. Democrats. We have relationships. You know, we, we're friends. But I can't let my constituents see me dealing with them. And the Democrats will say to my face, we can't 
work with you because our base will kill us. That's what they are looking at. That's what this group is looking at. Now, whether or not they can be effective, because I still think that that politics means you have to stick to a set of ideals. We don't know, at least I don't know what the ideals of this party is. I don't know what their ideals are. I don't know if they're a small government, states' rights, pro-Second Amendment, pro-life. I have no idea if they're those things. So I would not be interested in being a part of the no-labels party if they weren't taking stands on issues. They say that they're not necessarily backing any specific candidate, but what they want is to promote candidates that can be more, they say centrist, but they be more attractive to the greater good of voters. I would say before I learn and until I learn more about this group that this is another wake-up call for the political parties. There are huge numbers of engaged, concerned, interested people that are ready to hear a message that they would follow along with and vote for and, and support, whether it's money, talent, or time, that they would support candidates and causes. The constant fighting and the constant bickering and denouncing and reviling of the opposition. It's what, you know, there's only so much that you're going to tell someone how much the other side sucks until they are just say, okay, we understand you think they're bad. Why are you good? And at some point, you have to stand up and say, this is what we should be doing and hope you can move people and move that needle. And I, I, you know, I don't know about the Democratic Party because I'm not uh, I'm not a Democrat voter and I'm not involved with their party politics. I'm not in, kind of invited into their rooms. I can tell you on the Republican side that there are some very, really very, very good, very qualified people out there that could be candidates for things. And this is not a slam on any candidate that won a primary. I'm just giving you the numbers. They won the primary. They didn't win the general. There are options out there for people if people will listen. I was just at an event. I'm running out of time, but I was at an event with with Lacey Cooper. She ran for the attorney general's office and she was on a panel, this border panel. And people kept saying, man, I hope she runs for something. I'm like, she did. She ran for the attorney general's office. Those are the kinds of things I'm talking about. Coming up uh, in just a few moments, we're going to go back to Mexico and the tragedy that happened there. It's right around the corner. Stick around.